0: the 6th, where two lawyers and a real person talk about the law. I'm Kathery, and I'm the real person.
1: I'm Stacy Krauss, and I am half of the attorneys here in the Krauss and Daly Law Firm, and a criminal defense attorney here in San Antonio.
2: And I'm Courtney Daly, and I'm the other half of Krauss and Daly.
0: And they're both lawyers. Just, just so that we like got that second half of our sort of tagline out there. It was niggling at the back of my brain. Anyways, so... Today on Plead the Sixth, we are getting a little bit more personal and talking about why we—well, I guess more accurately, why these guys love being defense attorneys. Why don't we? Why don't we do some origin stories real quick? Um, do you guys want to talk about sort of how you got into law and what made you decide to do criminal defense?
2: Why don't you go first, Courtney? Okay, so growing up, are we going that far back to origin stories? Sure. <laughs> why not? When I was a girl. Uh, I was born. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) So when I was young, I always wanted, this is probably a weird dream for a young girl to have, but I always wanted to work for the government. I, like, all my Barbies were spies or FBI (laughs) agents. Like, they all, like, were solving crimes, right? And they were a part of something bigger, right? That's always been my dream. So, like, joining some sort of government agency was, like, one of my, big dreams going up, right? But, like, I'm not very athletic. So, like, running was never, like, a good thing. And you got to be good at running to, like, be an FBI agent, right? So, like, Uh that's maybe one day, but that's just not my thing. But I always knew that, like, you know, crime and solving things and mysteries was, like, something that I was really interested in. So, um, in undergrad, I – was majoring in political science and I took like an intro to law class and like everything just clicked right. I was just like, yes, this all makes sense. I love this. I love the Constitution. I love the government. I was just like, I, uh, I was so into it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go to law school. So I thought like I in- interned a couple places before I went into law school. And uh, one of my friends growing up, her mom. Uh, was a federal public defender. And so growing up being around her and like the stories she would tell and some of the people that she defended, like I just really looked up to her and what she did. But like as a perpetual rule follower, I felt like I wouldn't be (laughs) able to, I wouldn't be a good defense attorney because I wouldn't be able to relate to anyone, right? Because I didn't break any rules because, you know, from a young age, I knew if I wanted to work for the government, my background had to be spotless right so i followed all rules i was a real stick in the mud i still am but also part of it is just like that's just my personality like i don't want to i'm i'm a i'm a homebody but i don't think that you're a stick in the
0: mud courtney
2: thank you oh she is
1: she is (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) but so am i so it's all good
2: (laughs) you know i can Uh. i can be the life of the party when i want to be around the right people (laughs) So, At the right time,
0: if scheduled two weeks in advance, yeah,
2: <laughs> and, yeah, there will be an itinerary. Everyone will be on time. Please RSVP. I'll
0: we'll be and, on my nine o'clock so I can be in bed. Okay, yeah.
2: please RSVP and please leave by nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway so i was like okay well maybe i'll do prosecution because like i would never feel like a hypocrite if i did prosecution because i didn't commit any crimes so like i can hold people accountable right Mm -hmm. so that's what i went into law school thinking i interned at the u.s attorney's office which is the federal prosecutors and while i was there i i enjoyed the work and i did feel like i was like you know a part of something bigger or whatever they say but there was just certain times where i was like it didn't the arguments i was making didn't feel right or the cases that we were that they were prosecuting like i was just like really like i don't know i found myself being really empathetic towards defendants and i was like i don't know if i'd make a very good prosecutor if i'm like (laughs) wow but they're a person you know and so like that's when i was like all right well maybe I'll do defense. And I did, like, I got to shadow my friend's mom for a little bit too. So, like, I kind of knew what the pe- federal public defenders did. And I still was in the back of my head. And in law school, I was also in the an editor for The Scholar, which is the Law Review on Race and Social Justice. And just being around other people that, like, were all about, like, social justice and, you know, being an advocate for people that are less fortunate or, you know, are kind of have like the whole system set up against them. I was kind of like, okay, like, maybe I should do defense. And then I did the criminal justice clinic in law school, which is basically you get to be like a student lawyer and you're on the defense side. And I absolutely loved it. I was around people that felt the same way that I did. And I was just like, this feels right. This feels like what I'm supposed to do, right? Because I I think I'm a fairly empathetic person and, like, at no point did I feel like I was on the wrong side, which I know isn't probably, like, a popular opinion to think. But, like, the reason why I feel that way is because, like, on the prosecutor, if I was a prosecutor, I feel like I would always be wondering, like, am am I prosecuting someone that's innocent, right? Like, I would Mm -hmm. always be so afraid of that. It's just kind of like I – I know that they say that like the prosecutors wear the white hats or whatever, but I feel like I wear a white hat too, you know, because I just feel like when I'm defending people, you know, my job's not to determine guilt or innocence. Like that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. I need to, I'm there to make sure that they are getting a fair shake. In the justice system, whether they did the crime or didn't do the crime, right? So I'm really getting my feels now. But (laughs) I did I did put
0: a disclaimer. I did say we were getting personal. Just let those feels out, Courtney. Let them flow.
2: (laughs) I just feel like if someone that is like very, very guilty of the worst crime can't even get a fair shake in the justice system what hope do the rest of us have you know Mm -hmm. if a person that did the worst crime ever can't get an effective defense you know if they can't have someone fight for them then like the system's broken so yeah that's how i got into it i i tried other things i even tried civil law and i just i have to feel I know I've said this a bunch already, but, like, I have to feel like I'm a part of something bigger. And I just didn't feel that in Civil. It felt too much, like, about money to me. I don't know. Almost like it is. It's
1: because it is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and this feels like justice and, like, you know, fight the power. And it's and-
1: definitely not about the
2: money. <laughs> it's definitely not about the money. But, yeah, that's probably another thing. Like, I feel like I just have this fire inside of me screaming fight the power. Like, and this is just uh, this is just what I like to do. I like to fight the power.
0: I like it. Fight the power <laughs> and be home by nine. Sounds great. Okay, so that's Courtney's origin story. Stacy, what about you? I know that you had a bit of a different path.
1: I did, um, but it kind of started the same way as Courtney's, oddly enough. Um, you wanted
0: to be an FBI agent, but weren't athletic? Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, didn't we all? <laughs> like, <laughs> I also... I just feel like I need to clarify I did try to get better at uh-huh. running because all the sports I did didn't require a lot of running right like in gymnastics you just have to run a little bit right it's more about tumbling that's different muscles but I also didn't want to get maced in the face and that's like part of like FBI training and that's just not I'm just not into that
1: that, that really was the turning point for her the minute she heard about this she's like oh no
0: Oh, Not I draw the line that makes. I draw. That's where I draw the line. That's a good line to draw.
1: <laughs> okay, stick to. Okay, so when I was young, I like to argue. Um,
0: when you were young? <laughs> yes,
1: when I was a child. Right. You know, when I was a child, I like to argue. So everyone's like, "You should be a lawyer," because that's what they tell every child who likes to argue. You sure. know, is you should be a lawyer. And when I say argue, I mean like. I would debate things with my teachers about my grades and convince them to raise them kind of stuff, you You know, like
0: kid. Oh no.
1: (laughs) I was, you know, if the teacher wanted to give me a B, I'd be like, but you don't want to do that. And here's why you want to give me an A. And I think they (laughs) just gave me an A to shut me up essentially. But, (laughs) but that in itself was effective, right? If you just talk too much and people want you to shut up, they give you what they want. Right. So (laughs) But I mean, I was told a lot when I was a child, oh, you should be a lawyer, you should be a lawyer, you should be a lawyer. I had a great model in my mother because she was a teacher and she always went to college. So going to college was never a question for me. Um, And I thought, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer, (laughs) right, right out the gate, right? Um, When I graduated high school, I decided to major in biology. (laughs) That lasted six six months. I know, right? Because I was going to be a lawyer, but I'm going to major in biology. It makes no sense why I did that. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought biology would be fun. And then I decided I hated biology because I'm not good at it. It's a lot of memorization. It's really not fun. And so then I'm like, you know what, I'll switch to engineering, even though I'm going to be a lawyer, right? Uh-huh. So, so that lasted another six months. I really, really, really like math. Like I went really far in my math classes in college. I have a lot. I'm really close to a bachelor's degree in math. So,
0: you
1: know, like, I Knowing love math. you
0: actually ended up this progression is just wild.
1: (laughs) I know. But I was always going to be a lawyer. Like, that was in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer, Uh Um, even though I'm majoring in engineering. And then, like, I think part of the reason I did that is because my husband was also my boyfriend at the time. He's my husband now, was also majoring in engineering. And I'm like, I'm going to take classes with him. You know, how young people can make decisions based on completely irrational reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, He decided not to be an engineer, and he switched his major so then I switched my major to political science. Finally. <laughs> and I minored in criminology. I was always very much interested in the criminal side of our our world. I mean, I think law and order did that to all of us. I I think it's just a natural (laughs) thing that we all were like, oh, that looks like fun because law and order looks like fun.
2: Yeah. It's like Um, everyone in criminal minds, they want to become like behavioral psychologists or whatever. And so like now on the FBI website somewhere, I've seen it before where they like, they have like an actual disclaimer that like, that's not how it is (laughs) or something like that. Like, it's (laughs) really funny.
1: (laughs) Right. So I majored in political science and I took the LSAT and I applied to law schools and I got in. And I got a pretty decent scholarship. And then I didn't go to law school.
0: Okay. Uh
1: (laughs) I worked for a law office and the law office did uh, evictions and foreclosure work. And I was like, I don't want to be a lawyer. (laughs) This is stupid. I don't want to be a lawyer. Nothing to do with the kind of law I wanted to do anyway. But hey, Uh So, so I decided not to go to law school. And instead, I decided to have children. So I have two wonderful children that are, you know, 17 and 14 now. And I'm really glad that I made that decision. Because I think if I had gone to law school, I would have never had children. So there you go. Um, so I, I, I stayed home had children. And while I was staying home, raising my children, I got super, super bored. And I ended up, I ended up just writing for fun about video games, because I'm a video gamer. And I was playing a lot of them. And I just started writing about them. And then I got approached by a couple of um, places saying, hey, you want to come work for us? We'll pay you. And so I ended up, you know, turning that into a career. And so for 10 years, I was a video game journalist. It was a great job. It allowed me to stay home and raise my children because I was able to do that all at home. And at the same time, bring in some money. Um, And then after about 10 years, I really started hating video games. You know how like when you take a hobby and you turn it into something that you have to do for a living, you start hating that hobby. That's yeah. what happened. I ended up really not wanting to play video games anymore, hating them. Like, and I had to play a lot of bad ones for reviewing, so that might have oh. had something to do with it, but mm-hmm. after a while I was just like, "Ugh, I'm done." So, I ended up leaving the video game industry, and I had a couple other like attempts at careers in between. I I did some reselling, which is super fun. Listing on eBay is not like going and going to auctions <laughs> and going to yard sales and buying stuff. Super fun. Listing on eBay, like about the most boring thing in the world. So I like the buying part, typical female, I know, right? So, um, but the selling part, not so much. Well,
0: typical human in a consumerist society, but go that's on. That's
1: true. That's true. And I also like tried, <laughs> um, I, I tried a career at raising canes because I was, you know, in my mid 30s at this point, saying to myself, uh, I want to have a fun job. What, what do I? What do I think is fun? <laughs> Chicken. I remember when I was seventeen, I worked at McDonald's, and I thought it was fun. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm going to try that again. So I got, I, I went and got a manager job at Raising Canes, and it's not fun no. as an adult what? in her mid thirties. That was not fun. I lasted at it six months. And I'm like, no, this is not for me. (laughs) And so I quit. I quit with no plan, no other job. Like I just, my husband has been great because he's actually let me do that twice in my life. I just quit with no plan. And I played video games for a few weeks, you know, just like to take a break from life. And then I was like, beginning of January, I'm like, what am I going to do now? You know what? There's a law school here in San Antonio and the LSAT is coming up in a month. Let me take the LSAT and see what happens. (laughs) Took the LSAT, got a good score, <laughs> got a, got admitted to St. Mary's, got a really good scholarship, Just and
0: skipped along to law school. Super casual. <laughs> it,
1: it really was kind of one of those things where it was like, you know, was, I didn't have this like years long plan. It literally was like January, and then by March I was admitted into law school. So <laughs> it's like, wow. okay, now I'm going, I'm going to law school, yay! And so that means no income for another three years. Sorry, husband, but you know how it goes. <laughs> he is very patient with all of that. Wonderful. I'm I'm married to a wonderful man. So I went to law school thinking I'm going to be a prosecutor because I like law and order, (laughs) you know, like like that, that was what I grew up on my brain, even in high school and everything. I'm like, when I go be a lawyer, I'm going to be a prosecutor. That was always what I was going to do. And, um, and then I started law school and I started learning about the law. We took property classes and I really, really enjoyed my property class. I think partly because there's math involved in property Mm. and it's one of the things I like. And, you know, some of the other classes we took I enjoyed, but what I enjoyed the most with my criminal law classes, no surprise because I thought I was going to be a prosecutor. But interestingly, what I enjoyed the most was the defensive theories Mm -hmm. that you learn in constitutional criminal procedure, which is um, you learn about all of these ways to keep evidence out. You learn about all of these um, ideas of defenses. And I started like really enjoying the theory of those things. And then I interned for a couple of judges. I interned for a federal judge um, and I didn't get to do any criminal work with him. I got to watch him give sentences in federal and, you know, spoiler alert there, there's sentencing in federal is very structured um, and kind of boring, nice. but I got to do a lot of civil type of work when I was working for the judge writing opinions and stuff. And that was really interesting, but nothing that like really like, ooh, this is super fun. And then I went and worked for the Fourth Court of Appeals here in San Antonio. And I got to work on both criminal and civil cases in that. And the criminal case I worked on, we actually, the opinion I wrote for the judge actually ended up overturning a conviction. (laughs) And because I, when I, when I analyzed the law, I felt that the person, you know, that the conviction needed to be overturned and I submitted it to the judge and she approved the, the opinion to be published and they overturned a case. And that was probably the first indication that I wasn't prosecutor, prosecutor material is that I was like, Oh, you get to overturn a case. That's super
0: fun. And then you ignored it.
1: <laughs> well, yes. Um and, I, I ended up, uh yeah, there was some things in law school that happened, like I was on the law journal. And, you know, there was, there was, there's there just one event that happened that probably changed the trajectory of my career. And that is that I did not get selected for the editor in chief for the St. Mary's Law Journal. And uh, if I had been, I wouldn't have been able to work. And if I, if I and being the editor in chief, very prestigious, I probably would have ended up in a civil doing some kind of big law thing. Honestly, that's probably what ha- would have happened if I had done that, right? But I didn't get picked. And instead, I had a lot of options and freedom available to me. And one of my friends worked at the Bear County District Attorney's Office. She was interning. And one of the other courts needed an intern. She asked me if I wanted to do it. And I'm like, sure, give her my name. And at the same time, I was also interviewing with a defense attorney in town. But the prosecutor's office got to me first. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. the, the defense attorney came like two days later, she asked, asked me if I wanted to take the job. And I'd already accepted the job. With the prosecutor's office. So I was a law student interning with the greatest first chair that ever existed at the Bear County District Attorney's Office. She's now a magistrate judge. Her name is Motty Lisa Jansen. Um, she is amazing because she let me run with things. She let me really dig into cases. She let me, and she would listen to me when I was fighting for cases to be dismissed, which is another weird thing that, you know, somebody working at the DA's office would be fighting it was another indicator to me that probably I'm not a prosecutor. Um, but like, you know, I would analyze a case and I'd go, can you believe the cop did this? I watched the video. This is what he hid, you know, and I'd explain all that to, you know, all the attorneys that I worked for. And they would like be like, yeah, that's us dump this case. This is a bad case. And I would feel really good when that happened because I was like, justice is served because this case shouldn't have been brought. Right. But then I, you know, got an offer from the DA's office to become a prosecutor when I graduated law school. So I was a prosecutor. <laughs> um, I worked in juvenile. And maybe if I had worked somewhere else, maybe there would have been a different outcome. I don't know. But working in juvenile, the cases are just so unimportant. And especially misdemeanor juvenile cases. Like that was my feeling. I know there are people who disagree with me, but I just felt that the cases were so unimportant. And then there were cases that I got where like cops created the crime. And when cops create the crime, I get angry. And I just want the case to go away, but my bosses wouldn't let me just dismiss cases because I thought they were stupid. That's not how prosecution works, right? Um, So it was very frustrating. I worked there for a year, and then I moved on to the defense side. And the minute I started working on defense, I realized, oh, my God, this is a perfect fit for who I am, because being a prosecutor, I would fight myself constantly because I never felt good about what I was doing. And I didn't feel good about what my bosses were forcing me to do. And they did force me to do things that were against my opinion on cases. They would force me to try a case that I didn't think should be tried. That actually happened. And so like, you know, as a baby prosecutor in the DA's office, you don't have any discretion. You don't have, you're not allowed to make decisions because, you know, your bosses make them all for you because they're lifelong prosecutors. But also I think that that was, like I was the wrong type of prosecutor because I didn't want to do those things. And I feel like prosecutors really need to have that law and order point of view, that that idea that justice is, can, you know, trying to make sure that people who commit crimes are found guilty of them, regardless if the law is fair or not. Right. I think I was not. I don't think I know I was a bad prosecutor because that just wasn't in me at all. And then I became a defense attorney. I worked for another law firm for a little bit and before going out on my own and then ultimately picking up with Courtney here. But it was just such a perfect, natural fit for me because all of a sudden I wasn't fighting myself anymore. I believed in my cases. I believed in what I was doing. And I was finally happy and found what I needed to do. And it's funny because I really thought I was going to be a great prosecutor growing up. But, like, the development of who I am through my life turned me into a defense attorney so that when I tried to be a prosecutor, it didn't work.
2: And I think that's one of the things that, like, I mean, because that's obviously a similar experience that I had thinking, like, oh, I'm going to be a prosecutor. And then, like, getting a feel for it and then getting a feel for defense and being like, oh, my God, like, I love defense work. And I think that, you know, those shows like Law & Order and stuff, they're kind of the ones that help paint that picture of – defense attorneys in a way it's like well I don't I don't want to be like a slimy guy in a shiny suit that you know is trying to get a rapist off when he's clearly guilty like obviously I don't want to do that but then it's like you start doing the work and you're like well it's not really like that like you know it's not that that person's trying to get that person off of that crime it's that if he's trying to make sure that the state can prove what they are trying to prove and you want to make it as difficult as you can because you don't want the state to be able to easily prove crimes. I know that sounds kind of wrong to like regular, regular people, but real people, real people. That's real, what I mean. Real, yeah, real,
0: real person butting in here. Um, like, <laughs> that that does make sense to me. Um, oh, good. You like it, it's it's the concept of innocent until proven guilty. You want innocent uh-uh, nope, to be nope
1: nope. Innocent unless, unless proven guilty. <laughs> until until makes it sound like the state's gonna prove it. And that's not true. The state does not I mean, we we're living proof the state doesn't prove guilt all the time. We've had three not guilties in the past six months, right? So it's unless. And that's what the statute in Texas says, unless. And it's one of those I hate the innocent and that's TV. TV says until proven guilty and it's like bad TV.
2: Oh, okay. Kathy, you walked right into one of Stephen's pet peeves. <laughs> pet peeve. You walked right I can't that.
1: It's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I go over it in jury selection and everything. That is one of my biggest pet peeves.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm sure we will talk about it. You were saying uh in a whole episode. I'm just gonna sidestep that <laughs> minefield. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be like, no, thank you, and I'm just gonna walk around it and come back to it later. So, it's it's the idea that that innocence is the assumption. Um and you you don't want that to be easy to lose. Like you want yeah. that to be a commodity that all united states citizens and like all human beings honestly have inherent to them and you want you want prosecutors to have to work to take that away otherwise you get innocent people in jail or you get people that maybe aren't like completely innocent or whatever but maybe don't deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law you want that to be hard i like i get it yeah Now we know how you guys got here. Uh, Maybe we should talk a little bit more about, like, what your experience being defense attorneys is. First, I kind of want to know, like, is there anything that you guys don't like about being defense attorneys? I mean, we'd like
1: to make more money. It's it's not a job you go into if you want to be rich. You're not one of the rich lawyers.
0: Okay, interesting. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Because, like, I... Prior to working for you guys, and a lot of people who hear that I work for lawyers and automatically assume that I work for rich people. Like the the idea is that lawyers are rich, and especially defense attorneys who are who are being paid by criminals to get them off the hook. Um, the assumption is that you guys are rich. So so why isn't that the case?
2: Well, some people do make a good living. But we take a lot of court appointment cases because our heart is really in indigent defense. So people that can't afford lawyers, like they get appointed to us. We do take hired clients as well. But the bulk of what we do is indigent defense. Which is
1: most people. That's the other thing is that most people can't afford attorneys. So most of the work in criminal defense does come from court appointments because people who can hire are very rare because a lot of people accused of crimes come from the lower socioeconomic tiers in our society. They just do. That's part of what is happening, I think, in our country right now is to bring attention to the imbalances because a lot of the attention is paid on the lower socioeconomic tiers and those neighborhoods by police and with community policing. Mm -hmm. Um, So a a lot of people who are arrested cannot afford attorneys. So the bulk of the work out there is court appointments as well. And court appointments shockingly don't pay that well. Like, you know, you're not going to you're what? not you're not going to make a million dollars off of a court appointment. You're not going to make a million dollars off of anything. But, you know, and, and that's the truth in criminal defense, right? Like we're not we're not personal injury where you get those accident settlements you see on TV, you know, where they're like you know, we got our client thirty-two million dollars, and then they show you the attorney's made twelve million. We will never make twelve million on a case, like never. <laughs> um, because we don't do personal injury. You know, a lot of the other kinds of law, the money is just more flowing. Like, for example, in family law, everyone has to pay their family law attorney. There's no you know, free attorneys out there for divorces, and there's a lot of divorces, so that money has to be come up with somehow, and everyone has to, you know, be paid. And when it comes to criminal, it's just really different because, you know, we have a constitutional right to an attorney, regardless of whether you can afford one. And so that the court appointment system is how they they deal with that constitutional right. And we as attorneys get paid a very small amount for each court appointment. And why, you know, criminal defense attorneys, there are a few out there who do really, really well for themselves, but they've also been practicing 30 years. You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, most most of us are, you know, we're not. Super poor, but you know we we're not we're not one of your wealthy attorneys making you know millions of dollars or anything like that. We're not rich,
2: yeah, I don't know if the i mean, yeah, would I like to make more money, sure, so does everyone, but I don't know if that's really like one of my things that like that like I don't like about being, but then again, like I would work for free, and it drives my husband insane, so like, it's like <laughs> I'm the bad person to ask because like you you give me like a cookie and I'm like, oh, this is too much, you know like <laughs> So, like, I – but, I mean, it is something that, like, yeah, I wish it was a little bit different because, you know, then, you know, there's other stressors in life unrelated to criminal defense that, like, having more money would help. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Yeah, your husband and my friends should get together and have lunch, and they can all talk about how they're so frustrated that we won't, like – force other people to pay us.
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, if money was our motivator, we wouldn't have gone into criminal defense. Let me just say that.
0: That's exactly. Is there anything else that grinds your gears?
1: Well, I mean, I think opposing counsel is always a greer grinder, greer grinder, no matter what kind of law you practice, Right. You you get frustrated with your opposing counsel when you don't feel like they're responding fairly to you, and that's a common frustration as a criminal defense attorney that we don't think prosecutors are being fair.
0: Mm, that that's an in, interesting frustration because to a certain extent they're kind of your coworkers, right?
1: No, don't ever say that. No, never mind.
0: Never mind. <laughs> I see
1: another minefield. I'm going to walk there, past there it. They are the other <laughs> side. Um. Yeah, okay. That said, we do have some pretty good relationships over there, too that we we do we do enjoy having a good relationship with prosecutors um,
2: We do have friends that are prosecutors, do. but we separate the <laughs> two yeah but
1: um and a lot of the prosecutors in the Bear County District Attorney's office are very fair people, but every once in a while, you come across one that's not and that's that that can be frustrating.
2: I think also like one of the the one of the tough things about being a defense attorney is when you have a really good day and you're really excited about an outcome it's like you and only other criminal defense attorneys are going to like cheer for you. You know what uh, I mean? Like yeah. Whenever I'm like, oh, I had a great day. Like we got a dismissal on a family violence case and it was so good. Or like, oh, we won this case. I can't believe it. Like she definitely did it. Like other defense attorneys are like, yeah, we're going to go. And then like your family is like, oh, is that good? Or <laughs> and you're like, oh. Or, you know, like it sometimes is.
1: it's like I got the jury to see my perspective on this case. And it's not a perspective I ever thought in a million years I would get a jury to see. But I did. That's a huge victory, but nobody else gets it. Like nobody other than other defense attorneys, they completely get it. So we do have quite a bit of bonding and camaraderie among the criminal defense attorney group because they're the only people other than our clients, of course, who adore us when that happens, um, who, who understand, like, how big a victory that was and why it was such a good thing.
2: I mean, it it is kind of like a fairly close knit community because like things that you struggle with, everyone else is probably struggling with too. I mean, like we're with the exception of their families, like we're kind of the only people that care about these people accused of crimes because everyone else sees them as criminals and not people anymore. So when we have like a, you know, when someone has a client that, you know, dies in custody or something like that, they turn to fellow defense attorneys for comfort because if they tell, you know, their friends or family, like, hey, my, my client, you know, died or in prison or something like that. And they're like, well, what did they do? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, they, they forget that these people are people and it still hurts like you you get to know these. We things. have this
1: assumption of innocence, but nobody seems to do it. Like the mainstream public doesn't seem to get it because they ask that question. Well, what did they do? They deserved it. Well, no, that's not true. They may have done nothing. They may have done something, but you know what? Like you know, sometimes the consequences don't fit, don't match it. And if they die in custody, well, nobody deserves that. Nobody.
2: Yeah. And it also, like, with with the whole, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, defense attorneys were really worried and really pushing that, like, what is going to happen to the jail? Once it's in the jail, it's going to, you know, it's going to be awful, right? And the general consensus of the – well, I don't want to say general consensus of the community, but a lot of people in the community were like, well, maybe they shouldn't have committed crimes. And it's like all those people – well, Oof. maybe not all, but most of those people in the Bear County Jail have not been convicted of anything yet.
1: I think they said that out of the 3,000 inmates at the last statistics I'd heard, about 300 were awaiting transfer to a state facility. So that means 2,700 people are sitting there accused of something.
2: Yeah, innocent. Of the crimes that they are accused of, and or serving a county
1: jail sentence, but I think that most of them are sitting there accused of something.
2: Yeah, and so it was. That's another tough thing is like, like the second handcuffs are put on you, you're no longer a human being, and like that's tough to try and fight that viewpoint, and it's tough to see because some people just don't get it. Some people just don't care, and it. I guess what I'm trying to say is like the hardest part is caring so deeply about things that no one cares about
0: wow that's that sounds really hard I was kind of I was kind of expecting you guys to complain about the walk to the courthouse but that's a much better answer <laughs> I actually don't
2: mind the walk to the you know court that's house. not too bad Yeah, <laughs> like I thought we, we do a lot of <laughs> yeah we got kind of deep there sorry Kathy but I mean you know the only time I mind the walk to the courthouse is when it's like very very hot but COVID has eliminated or,
1: that problem for us this summer
2: <laughs> yeah, everything's virtual now. So I miss I miss the walk to the yeah. courthouse, I think it. I know. Yeah, I
0: miss it. So, I I I will stop trying to just like jab nails into y'all's open wounds now. Um let's get to what we <laughs> are actually here to talk about today. What do you guys love about being defense attorneys?
1: Um I love I love that I am protecting everyone's constitutional rights by protecting those who are accused of law. This is why I think I wear a white hat as well. Courtney mentioned that earlier. We, we feel like we wear the white hats because we're protecting everyone. We're saying, hey, state, you did something bad in this case. You can't do that. Don't do it again. You have to dismiss this case because you did something bad. And then they go back to that officer. Theoretically, I don't know how often this actually happens and tells the officer, hey, officer, you did something bad and ruined this case. Don't do that again. And then maybe the next time the officer interacts with the public, he doesn't do the bad thing again. And so I feel like that is, you know, that is a big part of what we do is we are protecting everyone's constitutional rights.
0: In situations like that, how, how often is it really something as, as black and white as bad? Um, or, or is it more often something incorrect. Does that make sense? You know,
1: there is an officer with the Bear County Sheriff's Office. I won't name his name, but he um, he works for them. And he told me the best trainers of uh, his fellow officers are defense attorneys when you are on the stand testifying. Oh, wow. yes. So, So it, it's a great statement. And I love that he said that. And I think it's true because the one thing that officers, when they get to testify – And they get to talk to the defense attorney. That defense attorney knows your training manual better than you do as an officer. (laughs) And so (laughs) you learn about policies and procedures that you didn't even know existed anymore. And because the defense, we as defense attorneys are looking for Did the police violate any of their own rules and procedures? Did they, you know, what did they do? Did they follow procedure? Right. And so that's a big part of it is that they do something incorrect. You're right. It's not like, sometimes it's bad, bad, like there have been some bad, bad things, but Sometimes it's just that they're not following the proper procedures for doing something, and they should follow the proper procedures. And we call them out on that, and they learn from that, and then they don't do it again in the future. So sometimes it is something like they aren't supposed to – like the radar guns, right, with the radar guns. They don't properly tune them every single time they're on ship like they're supposed to. Well, if you don't tune it properly every time, how do you know your
0: radar gun is working correctly? You don't. I'm sorry. They have to tune their radar guns? We're talking about speed guns, yes. right? <laughs> oh my does that mean that they could be incorrectly clocking people's speed? Yes, that's the point. <laughs> <gasps>
1: but for that oh that's my a procedure, they're supposed to do it before they start their shift every single time. And you know, some some departments might not have enough tuning forks to go around. So, you know.
2: <laughs> but if you get pulled over by an officer for speeding I wouldn't say when's the last time you'd <laughs> change like your that. <laughs> yeah, this is an after thing. <laughs> don't, don't cause trouble <laughs> when you don't have to.
0: Well, I guess I'll scratch that off of my plans the next time I got pulled over <laughs> for speeding. Hopefully, never again. Um.
2: <laughs> I'd say that, and it sounds like something I totally would say to an officer, too. It sure does. <laughs>
0: jeez Courtney throwing stones in houses
2: i know my husband has literally said he's like i hope to god i never get pulled over with you in the car because you're gonna get me arrested and i was like false i'm gonna protect your constitutional rights because he's like i always tell him i was like jackson like if they pull you over like don't let them search the car like obviously right like why would you just waive your fourth amendment so willy-nilly like that and he's like i'm gonna comply with what they want i'm like okay but don't consent like complying and consenting i think are two different things he's like i swear to god if you're in the car with me when we get pulled over and they ask and you sit over there in that passenger seat and go i do not consent to a search of this car i'm gonna just lose my mind i'm
1: like well (laughs) you wouldn't have standing as the passenger passenger anyway
0: okay and back to the topic and so you love protecting the constitution why okay a heart to heart between, between me and you guys I get to the Constitution is a big deal. Like, I th- I think I get it. But like, why is why are you guys so into protecting the Constitution?
2: Because uh, I
1: mean, it's like, fun. Like, yeah. honest to God, it's fun. It is fun to do constitutional analysis. Every time Courtney and I get a case where we actually get to dive into what the Constitution is and what the case law says about a specific amendment, we are happy and giddy. Like, it's fun. So that's part of it, I'm sure. We enjoy the heck out of it.
0: So you're big nerds.
1: Yeah. Sure. yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's like the the amendments are – good is not the word I was looking for, but it's the only word coming to mind right now. Essential? But like, yeah. Like, you know, think about it. We're, I mean, the whole thing with, like, the protests going on, everyone's talking about their First Amendment right, freedom of speech, freedom to protest. Like, freedom to these assemble. are things that are essential to our society. And, like, they're not there just, like, for kicks and gigs. So, like, I'm going to fight when someone's Fourth Amendment right is being violated, you know, or if their Fifth Amendment right or – you know the Third Amendment has made a comeback, so you know if- <laughs> <laughs> it's coming <laughs> you know, back. So, to <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for those, and that's that's one of the things I love about being a defense attorney is like I get to make the arguments to expand those protections. Like let's let it protect people more because the even though like you think Constitution, you think government, like the con- the Constitution is protecting you from the government. And so I want to, you know, I love trying to expand those rights. Like, at what point is your Fourth Amendment right being violated? Like, let's expand that, you know. Let's give you more protection of uh, privacy and right against seizures and stuff like that. And the prosecutor is trying to – well, most of the time they're trying to say, like, no, the – amendment doesn't protect that much right and we're trying to say no it protects way more like let's. i'm making i know you can't no one can see me but i'm like making an air hug motion of like (laughs) protection (laughs) 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 but yeah that i mean yeah it is nerdy but that's what i love i oh i'm doing a little dance in my chair now (laughs) too because i just love talking about the constitution we really
1: and and that's a part of it is that we're nerds for the constitution like we we can't help ourselves (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but also like the, our constitutional rights in our country are so ingrained from such an early age. Even if you have not graduated high school and you don't know anything about anything, you know what, you know, you have the right to remain silent. You may not be able to you know, have the ability, but you, you have the right and everybody <laughs> knows they have the right to remain silent. Everybody knows mm-hmm. they have a right to an attorney. Like that is such a part of our culture So the fact that, like, these things are just, like, so ingrained in all of us as Americans, but we also are protecting these rights that everybody's heard of. And
2: they're important. And they're important. Yeah. Yeah. And you shouldn't just wave them willy-nilly. I'm telling you, I've had discussions with in-laws about that, too, where they're just like, well, you." I'm like, and it's no. It's so easy
1: to waive
2: rights. Don't waive your Fourth Amendment right. Like, you know what, this, I don't, whatever, I'm just going to say it. For all the people that, like, are so Second Amendment, you know, don't take my guns, I want that passion for the Fourth Amendment. I want that passion for the First Amendment. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, if you're going to try and assert your Second Amendment right so hard, don't just let people search your car. <laughs> like, come on, people. Let's give the passion for the second to every other amendment. To be
1: fair, a lot of the people that you are debating this issue with don't get pulled over by cops and ask for their cars to be searched. Ooh, and that's, no. that, that, that treads a little political, so we're going to avoid that. But I just wanted to... <laughs>
2: Say that I'm saying this know? for everyone, though. Everyone that feels that way about everyone. the Second Amendment, right? Should I no wanna, one should never wanna... consent.
1: Consent is a bad word in our country. Consent is how you waive your rights. Don't waive your rights, don't consent.
2: Well, okay, okay, consent is a good word in other places. You should always get consent for other things.
1: <laughs>
2: let's throw that the out government. there. I
1: mean, never consent to the government,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Never consent to the government. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is there is there anything else that we love about being defense attorneys?
2: I'm all fired up about the Constitution <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's it's kind
1: of hard to switch gears. But, I mean, I think what I love um, also about being a defense attorney is that feeling I get when I do have somebody who doesn't deserve what's happening to them. And I'm able to help them. there is nothing in the world better than that feeling
0: this is this is one of the few things that I can chime in on. Um, I remember when I first started working for you guys and i I just sort of bumbled into y'all's office wasn't even really thinking about how much interaction I would be doing with your clients, but then cases started. Coming through that, I was learning about and, and talking to the clients and trying to make them feel a little more more comfortable with the legal process. And whether whether the person had done what they were accused of or not, they were still a person who was scared and out of their depth and needed help. And I I certainly didn't always know what I was talking about, but I I was always in a position where I could help them feel a little bit better about what was going to happen going forward. And even those people who maybe had done something that wasn't entirely legal allegedly they may not deserve the maximum amount of punishment that the prosecutors were trying to give them um so it's it's really opened my eyes to our legal system cough cough hence this podcast um but it's so lovely to know that we were able to help that person and and to take that weight off of their shoulders
1: And you raised an interesting point, Catherine, when you said that maybe people don't deserve the maximum consequences that they're going to be facing for crimes. We have offenses in our justice system right now that legislatively have to be punished a certain way. And a lot of times the punishment doesn't fit the crime. But because the legislature has written the laws in the way that they've written them, we're stuck. So those cases even though somebody did something that technically violated the law and the state can prove that we still want to fight those cases because they don't deserve the consequences, the significant consequences that go along with what's probably a minor behavior. But, you know, a lot of our laws in the state are, are poorly written and, um, and they, they create injustice. And so one of the things I like is that I'm able to help people through this terrifying time and take a lot of the pressure off of them. I'm like, Hey, I got you. Don't worry about anything. If there's ever anything to worry about, I'm going to let you know, but we're not there. You just need to relax right now and let me handle things.
2: Yeah. Like, so, like people that have never even been called to the principal's office and now they're facing <laughs> like, you know, some sort of crime just cause like, you know, wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. And it's like, they're, they're terrified of what's going to happen because they've never been in trouble before. And, you know, just to be that, source of stability and just their their guide through the justice system and saying you know like this is how it works you know hold my hand let's go well don't hold my hand during a global pandemic but you know what I mean Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) give me a high five from five feet away
2: (laughs) yeah just a little curtsy from six feet away please
1: (laughs) so yeah I mean like and I guess like we've talked a lot about why we love what we do and a lot of it comes down to we like how we feel when we do it You know, we feel like I know and I've had the question, how can you represent people like this? You know, like many, many times. And the answer is I don't understand that question because how can I not love, you know, representing people like this? Because these people are in some of the lowest moments of their life when they come to me and I'm able to lift them up and help them through it. And in a way, like, you know, all de- criminal defense attorneys are also show- social workers. We really are. And we're really trying to help people by minimizing consequences for them so that maybe they can get their life. I'm out
0: pretty of it. sure you have said the phrase to me, we are not social workers, but I get your point.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have said that, but, you know, in, in, in realistic terms, uh, we do act as social workers sometimes, you know, because we're dealing with human beings and we're dealing with human beings sometimes at the worst point of their life. And, you know, all we can do is help them at that point and help them through the process.
2: Yeah. And I I realize that, like, most of what we do at this moment in time is, you know, mostly misdemeanors is what we handle. Because that's what a lot of people get arrested for, especially indigent defense. Like, a lot of it is misdemeanors. But I know that people in my family are like, well, you know, when you get to the big stuff, maybe you'll change your mind. And I'm like, yeah, like, well – Will looking over evidence get harder sometimes? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's to be better investigated.
2: Yeah. Like, it's going to be harder in the sense that, like, some things might be harder to look at, you know? Like, there's not a lot of hard things to look at in a misdemeanor. But, like, as you get to the more serious felonies, yeah, like, I'm going to f- be faced with looking at things that, like, you know, I don't wake up every day wanting to see. But at the same time, like,
1: think about the felonies you've worked on, Courtney, like, you feel the same way about those, because our clients may not deserve what's happening to them. And in a felony, the consequences are even more significant. That's
2: true. Because they're taking what I do and thinking about it as like, I defend the crime. And that's not what we do. We're defending the person. And we're making sure that person is getting a fair shake in the justice system, no matter what they are are accused of, no matter how serious the felony is or how minor the misdemeanor is, I hope and I pray that my fight never change. They still have the same rights as the people that we do have as misdemeanors. And protecting those rights is what I'm passionate about. It's not that I'm passionate about, you know, defending people of resisting arrest. You know, it's not that I'm passionate about the crimes that we're doing right now. It's that I'm passionate about what we're protecting people from. And that's not going to change. We're never saying that, like, this person shouldn't go to jail because murder is not that bad. No, we're saying we're going to make it really hard to prove this murder because the last thing we want is someone to come behind us that's actually innocent of murder. And the standard have been lowered because we didn't raise the bar, if that makes sense.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's that's a really good point that, like. You're not just fighting for the person that you're that you're currently fighting for, you're also fighting for the next person and the person after that. And the person after that. Like you're setting a precedent.
2: Yeah. So that they and whoever comes behind them get a fair shake because at least we have not lowered the standard of what it actually means to be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That standard should be a little bit higher every time, right? Because we want it to make it harder for people to go to jail because that means it'll be harder for innocent people to go to jail. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And one of the things I like to say is that we hold the state accountable. That is primarily what our job is. We're holding this big, overarching branch of government accountable to make sure that they are not violating people's rights and that they are respecting everyone's rights. So, you know, we are, we're really, really important in the system. We stand between the average citizen and the the government we do.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it, w- there's that saying um, that it's like, you know, it's better to let a thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail. And that's kind of what fuels our fire too, you know, because like that, I think that's true. Okay. Yeah, that's It's really cool.
0: I don't really I I feel like I should have had a more profound answer than that, but
2: I feel I feel like this was a therapy session almost.
0: <laughs> Podcast same thing.
1: I mean, if anyone, if anyone wants to understand why we do what we do, they only need to listen to this podcast because yeah. we explain it. Yeah. this is why we do
0: what we do. Yeah, this is the only podcast you need to listen to to understand all defense attorneys.
1: <laughs> oh no. no because we're not all the same we're not all cut from the same cloth but me and Courtney Uh this is how we are Uh we are this way
0: (laughs) okay um well it looks like it's about time for us to wrap things up thank you so much for joining us today um if you have any questions following this uh please feel free to hit us up on social media we are on Facebook and Twitter uh at Krauss Daily Law uh, also feel free to check out our website kraussdailylaw.com where we will be posting all of our episodes and you can have conversations with other listeners in the comments and we'll also be I'm sure stalking the comments too to answer any questions so you can also find us there um, join us next time as we will be talking about uh, indigent defense in a little bit more detail so join us next time and keep pleading the 6th